Hi, smiling people. How is it going? You are listening to Talk to Tell by Smiling Rocks. In this podcast, we invite guests to share on business and social related topics, such as the diamond and jewelry industry, and discussions with charity organizations on making this world a better place. Smiling Rocks is a lab-grown diamond and jewelry brand with an aim to build a chain of smile through sustainable luxury and giving back to our communities with your choice of charity. Find out more on www.smilingrocks.com. We are honored to have Ms. Niruba Bhatt, former managing director of GIA India and consulting advisor to the gem and jewelry industry, a business coach and strategic advisor with a rich background in the diamond and jewelry world. She is joining us today with our host, Zulu Kevaria, CEO and co-founder of Smiling Rocks. Welcome, Nirupaji. Uh, I really appreciate for your kind time to us and uh, join us as uh, Talks to Tell with our uh, audience. And we, it's an honor for us to be, have you here with us. Thank you, Zulu, for this uh, opportunity. I think this is great to be able to relive <laughs> the past years and kind of really think when you send the questions, I said, oh my God, so many years I have been around. So thank you for reminding me. I really enjoyed going through those questions and what am I going to talk to you about? So thank you. Wonderful. No, I mean, like, um, that's what you have lived so far. And uh, we all wanted to know more about you. And that is the reason that I have called you. And I said, let, let's have some chat with you. And then uh, let's share who you are to our audience and to the world wherever we are reaching now. So sure. what an amazing personality you are. Everybody knows Nirupa Bhatt as a key opinion leader uh, in the industry, business coach, strategic advisors in many, many organizations and uh, always been as one of the, uh, the key personality in the industry when it's, uh, when it's a topic of uh, the directions or the current situations to be discussed. So you've been always seen as a front row but uh, share us that Nirupa Bhatt who built her for these positions. Like, who is she? Uh, what was her challenges? Uh, how was your career in your early days? So, <clears throat> you know, as I mentioned, it took me to my those very, very early years. And when I look back, yeah. I think that uh, you know, the first word that comes to my mind is that I feel really very privileged to mm-hmm. be part of this uh, amazing uh, industry. Right. And uh, the way I grew up in my family, etc., I have come to be a great believer in the theory of karma and interestingly of destiny as well. Someone would say, oh, those two things don't go together. But I think you keep doing your karma and I think destiny does kind of give you those uh, opportunities. And I would think that uh, in 1989, when I was looking for a job, almost all the planets aligned uh, uh, themselves. And uh, as you know, uh, Zulu, in the business, you are a very successful businessman yourself that for growth, we need resources. Right. And of course, the skills 
to right. utilize these resources. And I think in 1989, for India, for the industry, the floodgates opened with the introduction of the Argyle rough diamond production. Right. And uh, the workforce was very eager uh, to make the difference. Mm -hmm. And uh, to top it all, the technological innovation right. was also coming in. So the Argyle mine, which was uh, owned then by two mining companies in Australia, CRA and Ashton uh, Mining, wanted to market their production being a private company because till then almost all mines were owned and managed by governments. Mm -hmm. This was the first mine which was owned by private enterprise. It was a publicly listed company, but still a private enterprise in that sense. Rio Tinto, right? Uh, in those days, it was Argyle Diamonds. Argyle Diamonds. Rio Tinto became the owner. It was through CRA. They were 49% shareholders. Hmm. And sometime, I think in the late 1990s, uh, Rio Tinto acquired the entire, uh, all the shares from Ashton Mining and CRA. And then we know them as Rio Tinto Diamonds. Right. So in those early days when Argyle uh, commenced its production, <clears throat> you know, it was a very unique production. And I know you are very familiar with that production. 40% of their diamonds were colored. Right, uh, yeah. Which is pink, champagne and cognac. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think in our industry, we have come to, uh, or, or we have always heard that the diamonds are colorless or white in colloquial language, if I can use those words. Yeah. So that was a challenge for Akal. Then the majority were small diamonds, unlike the other mine production uh, profile. And they were at the low end of the spectrum. We know that the diamonds are the hardest known substance. Mm. But amongst this, the Agile production was the hardest. So it was really a challenge to cut and polish uh, these uh, diamonds. So in some ways, it was a challenging production. And if you look at the other side of the coin, it offered the opportunities to democratize the these beautiful gems from the bottom of the pyramid uh, because of their uh, small diamonds, low end, etc., with the pinks to the top end. So, you know, they had this entire spectrum of uh, diamonds. Till then, till about 1989 or I would say till late uh, 1980s, our mm. industry was owned and managed uh, by these, uh, the Jain community from the Palampur area. Right. Mainly. And uh, factories uh, to cut and polish these diamonds uh, uh, were coming up in the Kathiawad region of Gujarat. Right. And this workforce was hungry for growth. They were looking for opportunity to grow. And they kind of came in and start looking for employment opportunities and they started making a difference. And slowly they kind of came in the industry and today they are a, a significant force to reckon with. They have grown as well tremendously. The first okay. laser machine was imported in India in 1989. 
and within a few years we had many uh, factories with multiple laser machines and initially they were used only for uh, you know cleaving and now it is for so many it is it has multiple usage and you know we have grown uh, so much in india combined the use of technology uh, with the it and that gave them an edge over the other cutting centers and i said in the beginning i feel privileged i so feel because i was part of this growth trajectory all these happened from 1989 i joined i was offered the job with agai in 1989 uh, and so i feel very privileged i did do karma but it was destiny and that so i what, became part of this journey was your background related to the mining side or your educations towards that connect with this that uh, the job has been offered to you and that no, or... I, i am a science graduate with right. chemistry and physics mm-hmm. and uh, but uh, i have i my background is more and focus has been on marketing right so when agile was trying to market their production here they were looking to set up a office here in india right and uh, so and i was looking for a job they of course had some hesitation and i am happy to share a small incident with you please so when uh, i applied for the job and uh, they said uh, you know you are a woman here and this industry is all men uh, it may require traveling and uh, how will you manage that and uh, i said i hear what you are saying i am willing and uh, would like to pursue this and i am willing to travel and the confidence i had was because of my background i was in sports i was my i was athletic champion in my college i was in ncc i was all india best cadet uh, i had participated i was all india best rifle shooter so i had traveled and gone to various camps on my own and when you go to the camp you know they tough for you and wow. kind of you travel in the trains and i have had occasions when only four of us were traveling we missed the train we are sitting in god for second place yeah. there is no light etc so it gives you that inner strength so i said i am very confident i can do it so i think with some hesitation but they offered me the job i they probably tried to get some others and in the yeah. very second month when i went to perth the general manager very mm-hmm. very thorough gentleman and yeah. i am so grateful to him mr mike mitchell uh, because i learned a lot from him he called me he had a very big corner office and he said uh, nirupa we were told and we believe that it's difficult there aren't really many women uh, in india who are professionals and this is going back 30 years and certainly in our industry we haven't seen any women we have been coming to india for past 2 years and uh, are you sure you are up to it because india is very very important for us and we have to be successful and i said uh, mr mitchell i am very confident and i can assure you that you will have no regrets 
and wow. so as they say the rest is history so i am so glad that they offered me i would say in some ways in their eyes in those days probably they took some risk but it paid off and i was very determined that i will make this work and it worked yeah but they see they, they see the determinations in you and then they see the enthusiasm that what you have showed and basically i believe like somewhere your sports background has helped you to take the challenges because you knew that there is no women in the industry at a front lead role or at all somewhere in the right position so you think this is something that you wanted to go and take the challenge and like wanted to make this company successful that also and also at at, at home i have seen i'd seen my mother right my mother had single handedly we lost my father at a very young age he was a marine engineer and a naval architect but we lost him when we were all very young i was only 4 years my younger sister was 4 months my eldest brother was 15 years and my mother mm-hmm. brought us up you know and raised with great values and i had seen her determination she was very clear in her in her head right she was a very a disciplinarian she would send us to the best schools even though we had to walk 5 kilometers to go to school she said that doesn't matter but you mm. will go to the best school possible wow so i think that is something that character building happens at home and i think i i certainly feel uh, very lucky that i had that kind of a, a family my mother uh, right. who uh, we look up to and who was who gave us those values that if you commit to do something you just cannot you know back out back after out. Yeah. so all some of these things i think all these these are small bits and pieces which help you uh, to build your character help you to become who you are Yeah definitely character build out is not uh, like one day job it's like you living every day and that's what you can just uh, see it in the early ages what you have you have done it and then you have that reflections uh, whenever i have met you i have seen the very crystal you know like visions that you have in your mind whenever i had a chance to meet you and i always feel that and is your personality always left an aura on us and like uh, how like clear on you are on your thoughts and 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 your work so that's always been inspirations uh then you then you joined GIA after that that's what so you did I was with uh, Argyle Rio Tinto for almost 20 years and during those years you know we launched uh, the Indo Argyle Diamond Council I don't know if you were are familiar with that uh-huh. uh, in 1992 and the objective at that time was to uh, ensure that india becomes the preferred source for uh, small diamonds and small diamond jewelry for the us retailers right. the focus was on us because us was and still is the largest uh, market and because of that i traveled to us a lot and that right. gave me an understanding a very good understanding of the entire value chain from mind to the uh, market marketing so, yeah and i and you know it uh, in as i was mentioning that 89 industry started growing the exports grew 
And as the young generation came into the business, they were looking for growth opportunities. They diversified in uh, jewelry businesses and, uh, you know, seeds, uh, the zone came up, etc. And I think many of these younger, uh, young generation families started sending them uh, to the uh, jewelry businesses and I worked with them. So when I look back, and meet them who have built now multi-million dollars global businesses. Right. Uh, it gives me tremendous satisfaction. So after all those t- times, I thought, uh, you know, maybe I should do something different, having understood the mind to the retailers, manufacturers, uh, uh, participants and their businesses. I think GI was trying to establish their presence uh, in India. Right. And and uh, they were looking for someone who can, uh, with GI, of course, has a great brand uh, recognition and have been, you know, very old uh, uh, business and has great credibility in the industry. So they approached me and they asked if I would lead uh, their setting up here. So I joined them on 1st January 2008. And uh, unfortunately, the Lehman crisis happened in November 2008. So there were lots of challenges, uh, as you know, for our industry. But those challenges also brought opportunities for us. And we worked hard here. And I am so pleased that I set up the entire uh, team here. When I left GIA uh, in uh, January 21, even as an advisor full-time in 20, we are the largest facility of GI outside the U.S. And we are more than 50% contributor to the overall revenue. We have more, more than 1,300 people working. We have a facility in Surat as well. So, yes, it has been a absolutely uh, great uh, journey. Very, very satisfying. Very good. Now, it's great to know about this and, like, you have this journey that anyone can dream of it and like even the challenges that you had gone through and you have been emerged with higher and higher on that um if i wanted to ask you something about point of uh point of view of yours and overall observations that you have uh, seen throughout your career um like what you can say the progression progression of uh, indian diamond and jewelry industry and the global in diamond and jewelry industry like what have you seen from like early early 80s to like um, late 20s that you're seeing uh, sorry early 20s you're seeing right now all the progression that what do you see in that you know i have uh, one of the reason that india has emerged as the largest uh, cutting center right. of, of diamonds uh, globally significant uh, center for cutting of emeralds, other gemstones, etc. I would say it is because of the use of the technology mm-hmm. and the uh, com- combination of the IT that the, this industry has continued to invest uh, in that. While they have continued to grow on the diamond cutting and polishing front, I think on the jewelry front, the progress, I think, can become, can be multiplied uh, if we start appreciating the intangibles. 
and I see that recognition that happening slowly. For example, you know, the soft skills like the designing, merchandising, branding, uh, marketing, all of those things, I think we as an industry are not really paying enough attention. Right. There are exceptions. There are individual businesses who are doing this. But I don't think we are paying enough attention because it requires investment. And I think we as an industry like to see our results. So if I invest in a technology, I want to see how much efficient I have become, how much my productivity has increased. So I want to see those results. And all these soft uh, aspects of business like merchandising, etc., uh, require these are intangibles right and and you don't see the results immediately it's over a period of time that you would see that but you have to continue to invest to build right. this uh, capabilities and i think we are we are a little slow in doing that mm-hmm. and i think we need to really uh, focus more on, on those uh, fronts. So, for example, currently I'm advisor to the IIGJ, the Indian right. Institute of Gems and Jewelry, part of the Gem Jewelry Export Promotion Council project. Right. And, you know, they have very nice uh, programs on designing and merchandising. Uh-huh. In last uh, year, two years, we have seen more manufacturers and retailers are asking for merchandising for designers right. and I think they are all able to now see that the businesses which have grown, which have better margins mm-hmm. are there because of the, the marketing, branding and uh, designing capability that they have really developed. So I see yeah. that shift and uh, I think the government has here also locally been emphasizing on vocational training. So the younger consumers, the population, mm-hmm. young population in India is rising. Right. And I think they are, as consumers, demanding across the board, whatever they buy, whether it is spectacles, whether it is dresses or cars or anything, they want presentation is important for them. Styling is important for them. So right. I think we are seeing that slow shift towards appreciation and understanding towards this uh, styling. And I think all these, all these developments are very promising for the future of the industry. Yeah. I mean, like, um, do you agree that, um, like, when we say a few points, as you just mentioned, that India has emerged, of course, this uh, is unbeatable, we can say, in, in terms of the manufacturing sides of uh, cutting and polishing, that's India is one of the uh, the top country that uh, everybody can rely on it. Uh, but in terms of the jewelry manufacturing shifting or branding or marketing, this is something that India where was not so strong on that side. And do you think this is, uh, this is uh, where India has to look more like, deeper and then build it build it as a as a nation that uh, people can see as a front uh, runner as as they are seeing us as a manufacturer but they see as as a designing wise or a branding side the indian jewelers or indian brands 
on the international platform can be seen as a top quality brands or top quality manufacturing sites. Do you think we still have to work on that side? We have a room on that side? I think there is plenty of room there. Right. And I think on a scale of 1 to 10, yeah. if we want to reach 10, I think we are 2, 3. So there is so much more I agree. Uh, that uh, we can do. And I think what is really helping uh, as well is that the way the domestic uh, market industry is changing with the advent of the uh, national chains right. like Tanish, Malabar Gold, many others like Senko Gold and <clears throat> others who are also regional chains and becoming national as well. Right. They're becoming more professional in their approach. And if you see Tanishk, Malabar and others, they launch collections. And they think of themselves as brand and have. So I think the those who are in exports are also taking note and observing. And look how these businesses have grown. Right. This has happened all in last 15 years, not more. Hmm. So if this is possible... I think the challenge here is to really understand what those markets where they are exporting, right. what their needs are. I think one of the challenge for India is we often think that, yes, we have beautiful jewelry. I agree. We have great art, great skill, uh, ancient heritage, all of those things. But that's something which the other markets may not want. And if you want to create that market, that's a huge marketing investment we need to make to create those demands. And so unless we are able to create that demand, I think we have to understand and invest and focus on understanding what those markets want. Yeah. Establish their credibility as quality manufacturers, Absolutely. as someone who understands the finer aspects of designing and merchandising. And then I think maybe you can introduce uh, the other elements of design as well. But you can't fundamentally change uh, what people wear in that sense. I mean, here in India also, it's very interesting that, you know, a few years ago, everyone wore, everyone, I'm saying, when you went to the wedding, you would see people wearing some, you know, bigger neck pieces or earrings or in, in bangles, etc. Now the way that women dress has changed. Right. Not so heavy dresses in that sense. And hence the jewelry that they wear has also changed. Right. So yes, there is a design there. Yes, there is an art there, but it has changed. So I think as we start understanding that more and more, and I think I see that happening. I see that shift uh, happening. Manufacturers are more talking about this. They want to hire more designers. They appreciate that and they know that it makes a difference. I, I, I totally agree with you. And uh, um, I think you're saying right that Indian designers or Indian brands, they need to cater what the world needed first and then they can implement whatever the ideas that they have it on their side of course we're not saying that they change the 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 dna of their own brand but uh, I, i'm just sharing you the sabyasachi has launched uh, his new york uh, edition and then i have seen that sabyasachi is one of the 
like top bridal designer or you can say one of the top name of the indian industry uh, in the clothing so they launch their collection and the designing where like they modernize themselves like it's not showing you that completely indian version of sabisachi but you see the elements what the world is looking for in that designing and that's makes uh, the the indian designer more connect with the world and show more heritage more richness in the designing side true yeah, yeah. um like uh, one of the most hot topics in couple of years we all have heard about lab grown diamond introduced to the industry what is your thoughts on it in my opinion i yep. think this is a great opportunity for consumers and for the industry right because <clears throat> this enables the industry to introduce new categories mhm which i think the industry may not have been able to do because of the cost factor or so uh, easily right. and the consumers also may have hesitated to experiment right and uh, i think so Uh, that is something so i think that is the opportunity we certainly have as far as the labron uh, diamonds are uh, concerned i also think it's a very delicate and sensitive uh, product right uh, in terms of how these are presented to consumers mm-hmm. because historically the diamonds and when we historically said diamonds we always meant natural diamonds yep the natural diamonds hold value by and large and they were sold and they held value because of the rarity factor and hence the price stability or increase was expected etc for lab grown that is not the case hmm. rarity is something which does not exist as far as lab grown is concerned Yeah, you agree. can keep increasing the production the technology will keep improving the pricing the capabilities you will have a better product etc so the question is that we will not be able to or maybe we cannot if we only present the diamonds <clears throat> the lab grown diamonds may not be able to hold the value just as diamonds right but in my opinion this the lab grown should be presented to the consumers as collections as brand as mm-hmm. and that is where i think the beauty of this this category is beauty of the labron diamonds is and i think currently what we are doing is we are saying oh they are like diamonds yep i think we have to really present them as on on their own that look these are diamonds labron these are the categories etc and i think if that happens i think consumers would be willing to buy i can say i am a, as a consumer would be willing to try new designs which maybe i couldn't have uh, wouldn't have bought in natural diamonds for various reason including the cost factor or maybe if it doesn't look nice what am i going to do and all of those things right i can uh, with the lab grown uh, i think be able to add and can become little bolder mhm and would be willing to experiment and i think the it is an opportunity which i think the industry uh, should try and grab absolutely 
I think this is the right way. And you just said, right, that uh, lab-grown diamonds cannot be just an, a product only. It should be it should be value-added. It should be like uh, added elements of the desire in sense of designing maybe, in sense of anything that branding or which makes consumers to be more attractive on that side. And I agree with you. That's the way to go in, uh, in the lab-grown. And uh, rarity is not a factor for lab-grown. Definitely agree. And yes, this is the right way for moving towards with the lab-grown industry. Another topic that I would like to discuss with you is the sustainability. Uh, how do you see sustainability uh, in terms of sustainable business practice supporting and impacting our industry, whether sustainability is the really a necessity of the luxury diamond, diamond and jewelry industry or what? What is your thoughts on that? You know, sustainability is a word that we have heard so very often and increasingly in last uh, couple of years. Yeah. And I think it, it, it certainly is here to stay. Mm-hmm. The sustainability is practiced and is visible, say, in the mining industry. Right. You know, how they recycle, what energy they use, how they protect the environment, uh, etc. So, for example, the Diavik mine, you know, they emptied the entire lake and they created and they have promised that they'll put it back that water so local flora, fauna uh, would be protected, marine life would be protected. I think De Beers has created an elephant corridor. So, they are doing the at the mining. I think as far as uh, cutting polishing industry is concerned as well, I think, you know, we have a couple of factories who are now certified as green factories uh, right. here in India. And I think so they are making progress in that uh, uh, direction uh, as well. When it comes to retail, jewelry manufacturing, etc. and presenting to the customers, I think the challenge in my mind is what should we present ourselves as, as a luxury? Because mm-hmm. when a when you walk into a store and when you say that you want to give a great experience and jewelry is a luxury, right? So you would use plenty of energy, fully air-conditioned, full light, whether there is any customer inside the store or not. You will give multiple packaging, you will pack in one bag, one small box, then there is something else and a paper wrapped around and all of those things. Right. And... Uh, so I think the entire concept of sustainability, I think, needs to be really understood. And how do you really practice? I think everyone wants to make sure that we leave a better world behind us. Yeah. That it, it is better than what we inherited. Yeah. But for us to do it, I think these are the challenges that we have. And I would, that is where I think, that the trade bodies have to really come together, put on their thinking hats and say, how do we really address this issue? And I think some of the low-hanging fruits are the packaging is one thing, the energy consumption is another, recycling. How do we really achieve all this? Can we as an industry, which something which we can easily do, can we all commit that the and every packaging material that we use will be from the recycled goods? Yeah. If we are able to do this, then I think we have some, you know, runs on board, so to say. So I think it is a thinking 
that we need to really bring in our industry. And I, I mean, this industry is owned and managed by entrepreneurs, very smart people. I am sure once they see something, they will find ways and means to yep. really expand that and move after that. So mm-hmm. I think it is really very important. The other thing which I believe something which we are not really doing enough, whether it is a natural diamond or a lab-grown diamond or as a jewelry, is we are not telling the stories. You know, mining is such a beautiful story, the difference that they make to the local socio-economic area in, in that field the kind mm-hmm. of efforts that they make. I know so, so many manufacturers in India, we have seen in other countries, they build schools, they build, you know, water reservoirs and all of those things. And I think we are not saying this enough uh, out in the to our consumers, engaging with them and saying that, look, these are the stories. So once you start talking about that, some of the aspects which they may be expecting as a luxury industry, they would say, oh, you're not doing this, but you're doing so many other great things, which I really think is good. So I think, and we work with materials which are very finite. These resources are very finite, be it gold, emerald, platinum, diamonds, anything. Right. And and that is where we can build these sustainable stories and really get on top of the consumer's mindset. I think we we need a lot of storytellers in our industry. Absolutely. I mean, like, yeah, sustainability is a very wide subject. It's not uh, only uh, giving back. Or it's not only a care, but it's all about uh, the whole practice in the in the supply chain where Every aspect is very important uh, from manufacturing. Uh, again, again, you say that energy sourcing, energy consuming, all the things is very, very important. And if we collectively work on that, it's it's achievable. And um, the people like you uh, will be playing very key role uh, to make industry understand because uh, your opinions and your guidelines has always been a valuable for our industry. And I believe uh, we will keep receiving this from you and the industry will keep receiving from you. I think that's the very important part. Uh, one, another subject that is very, I'm like upcoming and highlighting in our industry is uh, metaverse, NFT, virtual world. Do you see the current diamond and jewelry industry has any connection with the new upcoming? You know, I somehow feel that the jewelry has a lot of emotional connect. And in virtual world, yes, you can see it and you can, but you can't really feel it. Yeah. So, yes, it can uh, kind of ease uh, the doing business part to some extent. But I think we, I would really think that we should continue to engage with uh, consumers uh, as much as we possibly can right. because i don't think we can leave them uh, total uh, entirely to the virtual world right now you're right and um, it's uh, of course luxury is uh, is always been uh, to be feel and experience it and that's a complete missing part in the metaverse and uh, uh, we never know what what's comes up 
Um, again, you are always been a role model for many women in our industry. Um, always stood for women's and encouraged them to uh, take a stance and um, look look after the the places in the in the in the jewelry and diamond industry. How do you see like women's are participating in this industry? What is the roles that women's are playing these days in the diamond and jewelry industry, especially in India? You know, uh, I think there are there is a significant role that the women can play in our industry, mm-hmm. uh, but there is the women have to really make up their mind, right? And we cannot think of a work-life balance. Success is gender neutral. Right. If I'm working for someone, mm-hmm. that business owner is not thinking of me as a man or a woman. He or she is thinking that these are the deliverables. This is what I want. And this is how my business will become successful. Absolutely. And that is where if I say that as a woman, I need more time, I need this facility, that facility, then it it does not work. Right. Having said that, I think, and in my experience, in my experience, you can have a work-life balance. And by life, then I would mean if you want to have a family, then work-family balance. Yeah. You cannot have work, family, and social life. In my opinion and my experience, everything needs investment, whether you want to build a family, whether you want to build a social network or be successful in your career or in business. So each one of these three needs significant investments. So yeah. if you are the kind of person who likes to have social gatherings, etc., etc., and say that I don't get time if I work, excuse me, that's how the world is. Your yeah. work needs to, you have to give them priority for it to work. Because where are the businesses, in what environment are they operating? The market out there is very tough. And Zulu, who am I to tell you? You have seen that. The market is tough. Market does not take it uh, kindly yeah. to you. You can't say, oh, I'm employing all women, so yeah, my delivery will be delayed by, you know, give me extra leeway. They don't accept that. They so if accept. they don't accept it, how will you be able to accept that from your workforce? Absolutely. So if I'm working for you, I have to forget about who I am as a gender. Yes. It sounds harsh. It some, some may say it sounds inappropriate, but that's the reality of life. Yeah, so this is not an excuse that you are balancing your life and then you're not delivering. But uh, exactly. You have so, to... yeah. So whenever I have heard this, that you know we want to do this, so there is a work-life balance. Excuse me. Yeah. In real life, it doesn't work. Exactly, because yeah. the execution doesn't see the vendor. Uh, sorry, genders, and then you have to be. Uh, you have to be. Uh, but. I have personally my experience. Uh, I have worked with the uh, the team that uh, with the women, and they're they're as compatible as men's. We have it right now, and uh, we are so proud of them having in our team. And I can see right now because I'm working in Hong Kong in America, so I have seen the women's are like super powerful, impacting in the industry in every aspects they can. 
and so does i'm seeing in india as well and you have said like uh, yes this part like and as a as a if you taking this is an like a soft side of yours you shouldn't take it you just go and stand for your your delivery and then your own uh, ethics and your morals that you wanted to give to the work and work it yes yeah, so it is hard work yeah and i think uh, whoever has is doing it and within your team also you would see that once you get the work you assign the work i don't think you would think who is she a man or is that person a man or a woman and yeah. is she having or he having difficulties at home you will have to and that is where i think the women have to become i think a better team players they are good team players but i think they have to become better team players and i think they need a networking platform and that is where you know what we have in in the us the women jewelry association some yes. of such uh, associations or groups i think are of great help i have yeah. been member of that women jewelry association in the us for many years i established a chapter here in india as well and you may not ever do any business with any one of them but it is very inspiring inspiring yeah and you share your stories or i'm thinking you know i'm having this i had this experience someone shares their experience and success is all about continuing to motivate yourself so when you see someone that he or she had this issues difficulties how did they manage those issues and still overcome all of those and move forward what can i do and i think that is what is required and i <clears throat> i see women are getting in going in that direction i would also say that that is where they do need support of their families to a very great extent and also the workplace wherever they work as well they may not ask for any special concession but i think the encouragement that they get and that recognition that yes i know lady you are putting in all this effort so that i recognize you i do recognize you and that is the motivation they are looking for so i mean i as i said i am i consider wow. myself very lucky that i was raised by a mother who was very encouraging my husband was another person right he was very encouraging so when i came home and if i was tired or so uh, he would understand we never exchanged communications or we never said anything i would just come and say i don't feel like doing anything we would just sit have a glass of wine and relax and that was it so I'm this sure. understanding really helps so i i would say yes that is one difference women do want this kind of support to a great extent i'm not sure what men want but i know we women want this <laughs> yeah absolutely absolutely you're 100% right on that and that's what uh, make the society more better place for women to work together and yeah, yeah, yeah. you are an inspiration nirupa and for many and i i must say that industry has a lot to learn from you and thank you very much for your time today and sharing this amazing side of yours that we might never know and uh, we we appreciated that uh, you have given your best valuable time for us and 
being a part of this talk to tell of our uh, podcast from Smiling Rocks. And I, I, I really appreciate um, everything you have shared with us. Thank you. Thank you, Zulu. I love the name Smiling Rocks, you know, that itself. So whenever I hear that name, I start visualizing. There Thank is a you. small rock and there is something smiling. So that itself brings smile to my face all the time. And I think what you do also is a wonderful job. I am very, very uh, happy and uh, I thank you for the opportunity to be able to to share my story. Thank and you. to be able to talk to you and share my experiences. Thank you again. Thank you. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. We hope you enjoyed the conversation and I'm sure we had a great insight from Ms. Nirupa Bhatt. We'd love to hear your feedback on today's episode. Subscribe to our channel Talk to Tell to find out more about our upcoming episode as soon as they're aired on the podcast. Follow us on our social media account at Smiling Rocks Co. to find out about our next guest. Keep smiling. As you know, Smiling Rocks. Bye for now.